Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. And Sebastian, got a big weekend in front of us, don't we? Man, there are so many things to talk about. I feel like last week we I, it was awesome to be at the Diamonds Camp. It was awesome to record the the record the podcast at the camp, but I felt like it was somewhat distracting because there was a lot going on. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy that we are back. We're back home. Yeah, we're back. Uh, and it was cool to record it live, but more efficient. Like it's, it's going to sound mean, but I'm glad you are at your house and I'm glad I'm at my house. <laughs> Judging by the fact it took me an hour to get home after recording the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> home too. Very, very true. Although, although, so this is a really cool week. Uh, so international guests coming up in a little bit in our somewhat unnamed segment. Um, and uh, potentially called the 91st minute um, or, or whatever it is that we're going to call it extra time, 91st minute. Um, so really cool international guests coming up. And then next week I'm leaving. I mean, I'm still going to record the podcast, but I'm recording the podcast from a different state next week. So I'm in Colorado next week. So um, we'll figure out that time difference. Yeah. I mean, I'm ultimately going to, I'll get up early. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, but uh, it's a good thing. It's not the other way around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You would have lost the podcast. <laughs> I would have lost my podcasting partner. Uh, so yeah, so so next week, hopefully, uh, Fields Brown is going to be on the podcast with us, um, and then I'm going to record a bunch of like different interviews and segments while while I'm out there with him and Kelly. Um, so yeah, so we're taking the show on the road. Um, so so we finished up our, our Diamonds Camp. Uh, we finished up our last week of like the summer technical training series that we did. Unfortunately. We couldn't do the zone one teams last uh, last night. It, it was thundering and, and things like that. Or it's extremely unpredictable weather that we were supposed to get that kind of didn't get, but um, it was all over the place. But really good turnout over the summer, I think, for our, for our practices, for, for our zone one and our zone two teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the summer technical is just, hey, if you're in town this week, come out and get some touches on the ball. You know, if you're going to the beach, go to the beach, enjoy your time off. Because, you know, once the season starts, we're grinding every week. So, you know, Enjoy your little holidays, as they call them in Europe. Enjoy the holiday, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, what we're looking for as soon as the season starts is is like be there as much as you possibly can. Be there, right? Show that commitment. Be there. Um, but yeah, so it's it, so it's been it's been really good. It's been a cool opportunity for us to get some players, some new players coming out to the practices as well. So that's been that's been fun. Um, and then we are back at it with our like tournaments. Like we are basically kicking off the, I mean, August is about to start, you know, um, we're in the last two days of, of July. So August, obviously uh, starting on, on Sunday. So we are, we are starting our fall season to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, um, showcase season for the high school girls, right? Yeah. I mean, we've been doing the showcase for the last couple of years now with our, with our older girls, our 06 girls and our 03 girls this weekend are going up to the Penn Fusion summer showcase. Um, so we got a game today, tomorrow and Sunday, uh, one game a day, which I, I do enjoy that part of it. Uh, I think that's, that's fun. Um, so just looking forward to, to kind of the start of the season, some new players on the 03 girls team that I'm excited to, to see play. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun. And it's also, it, as as fun as it's going to be, it's also a little bit of a sad moment too. We uh we have a uh, we have four of our graduating seniors that are going to be there this weekend. Uh, so we we kind of you know say goodbye to them as they they go off to college next year. Three of them playing college soccer. One of them luckily stays local, uh, and is going to be around. So hopefully we'll see her. But 
we're gonna we're that's that's gonna be a little sad yeah i mean we you know for you you've worked with a couple of them a lot longer than i have but you know it's been a pleasure to see them grow and develop and you know stay still stick around um to play this final tournament because i know we did the senior send-off in the fall of last year yeah but it's kind of cool to do like another one right before they go to school yeah and ultimately at that time when we did it it just seemed like it was that was going to be kind of it and then all of a sudden we 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 were able to somewhat extend the season for such a long time with the summer and everything else which helped a lot so i'm really excited for that so it'll be it'll be a really cool way to honor the seniors um and i think after this weekend next week we'll make sure we we give all of our seniors a shout out we've been doing it right now on our social media accounts so if you want to keep up with that uh make sure you check out our social media accounts facebook.com slash dollar reunion on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. All right, we are back with another segment of the unnamed segment uh, that I think we're calling it the 91st minute. And today we are, this is our first international guest on the podcast. Uh, we have had a lot of people on the podcast before, but never, we've never had anybody from not in the United States, which is pretty cool. I am very excited about this. So with this today, somebody that I've known for a long time, uh, someone that that uh, I met at Nova Southeastern University, uh, someone that was in my wedding, uh, and someone that I've hung out with a lot. And um, throughout the years, unfortunately, we've 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 lost a little bit of the contact, but we recently reconnected, and uh, I'm so happy that he's on the podcast because he is one of the smartest people I know. And he's also one of the funniest people I know. Uh, Greg Langstaff is on the podcast today. He is a certified resume strategist. Hi, Greg. Hey, Sebastian. Thanks for the sweet introduction. Yeah, no problem. Now you got to live up to that though. Yeah, that was a lot actually. Maybe, maybe we could take that again with a little less pressure. He's, uh, <laughs> he's not that funny. He's, he's so, so in the intelligence department. <laughs> just average at everything just yeah he's a me- set your expectations at medium folks so that way that way if you go above it you're just you know, i plan to go above it. i like to go over the bar it's just a lot easier when the bar is kind of <laughs> in the middle okay fair enough fair enough all right uh so greg what is a certified resume strategist uh well sebastian i i write resumes for people full-time um and you know, I got my certification actually a year after I started doing it. It just seemed like a good idea. But you know, there's a series of training sessions you go through. You read a big textbook and and then like pass a series of exams on like your resume writing skills. So a certified governing board has approved me as a resume strategist. But basically, what I do is I talk to people about their careers and then I write a nice resume for them to help them get a job. All right. So does this mean that you have to um, you have to basically know a lot about a lot? Yeah, well, you know what? I let the person who I'm talking to kind of help me become an expert in their industry. Um, but I've worked with like 500 people at this point, so I'm you know I've touched on a lot of industries. I'm getting pretty comfortable with uh, all sorts of different jargon and stuff. But yeah, is there anything in particular that all of a sudden you're like? Oh man, like this industry sounds really, really cool. I'd never thought about that. Like a professional uh, lamp maker. I don't know. I just I don't know why that popped into my head. Um, I've I've had some random ones. I had like I had a homicide detective once, um, and like literally the deliverables were like fifty plus murders solved. Like it was crazy. Um, 
Yeah. But like, I don't know. I've uh, honestly working with people like senior people in business has really helped me to build my own business, which has been kind of cool. Like I I'm stealing advice off of experts in various fields all the time when I'm talking to them. It's great. I mean, that's a, that's a life of a soccer coach too. I was about to say, that sounds like part of the fee that you charge, you know, it's like a yeah, consulting true. fee. Yeah. 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 Uh, educational uh, I- bonus. Absolutely. I mean, as soccer coaches, if I find somebody that does a really cool, uh, a really cool activity, it's now my activity and I just, I pass it off as my own. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Shout out to sports session planner. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So in this world and, and we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to the university of Delaware women's soccer coach, Mike Barracaro is a longtime friend of the podcast. Um, and he, he, we were talking about the idea of when do you job search and especially specifically in college soccer or just in soccer in general. Um, but now we're, we're diving into the specifics of it with, with Greg on the podcast. But so Greg, how important is LinkedIn and how updated should your profile be? Uh, I mean, so LinkedIn is going to be valuable. I'd say in three, three different points in your job search. Um, so first, like first and foremost at the very basic level, like, when you apply to a job, if someone sees your resume, they like your resume, most likely the next thing they're going to do is go check out your LinkedIn profile. So you don't want to disappoint them there, right? Like they've built up uh, some interest in you. You want to keep that going, which is why it's important that your LinkedIn is like, at very least is up to date, kind of matches your resume. You got your nice profile picture, banner image, all that stuff. Um, and like a great LinkedIn profile will also start to build out your personality a little bit because like, they're interested in your professional skills. They see you on LinkedIn. There's more of that, but they're also going to get to know who you are a little bit. Um, yeah. And then like LinkedIn for networking. Absolutely awesome. Like this is best thing you can do in, you know, when you apply to a job is follow up with like someone at that organization afterwards with a nice quick LinkedIn message, just letting them know why you applied, why you're excited and uh, seeing even if they want to chat a little bit about the job. Cause a lot of people, when they're in the hiring stage are also going to be um, kind of in a recruitment mode. So they'll be happy to talk to you about the job if they think they can get like another solid applicant in their applicant pool. Um, so like direct messaging on LinkedIn is the second main reason that you'd want to have it up and running. And then the third, and this doesn't like always work out for everyone, but if you've got a nice well-rounded profile, you could also be coming up in searches for recruiters who are looking for people. Um, so that's why it's important to just have it updated with like all your professional uh, experience. And that skills section is great because when they're searching, they might be searching for different skills. And like, if you're familiar with the LinkedIn profile, you can enter in different skills that you have. Um, so yeah, those are like the three main reasons you want to have your LinkedIn profile, like fully up to date. That's a, the, the second point you made about the, the direct message. I think that's a really cool, um, it's a really cool uh extra like added added thing that i never i never thought about that's a that's a really good point i like that a lot um so linkedin to a certain extent becomes the the idea of the professional social media platform to a certain a little bit right like absolutely yeah so so we talk a lot about we talk to our soccer players constantly about their social media profiles and especially as they get into the college recruitment standpoint how important having a a clean social media profile is how important is that as you as a as a future employee is how important is that as well because is that something that maybe gets overlooked too yeah um so 
we're talking, I guess, all across all social media profiles. Yeah. 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 Like a like an unprofessional social media profile, even if it's your personal like LinkedIn or I mean sorry, your personal Facebook or Instagram, like that can cost you a job. That could easily cost you a job if they are looking for someone who is going to be representing their company in one way or another. Um, and they see like, you don't even have the wherewithal to like conceal your drinking photos or, you know, like something, you know, anything that's kind of immature or stupid, or you're posting like controversial stuff, you know, that's not appropriate in a workplace. And they'll want to mostly only be hiring people who can at least have the sense to maintain professionalism in their, like their full online persona. Do you think, do you think it's, do you think it's sometimes not realized that like you can look at a timestamp of what, when a post has been made, like if all of a sudden you start posting everything at like, you know, 11 AM or like 2 PM right in the middle of a work day. um, Do you think people are looking at that or is that something that like doesn't necessarily happen? I don't know. That's, I mean, that's awfully, awfully specific. I don't think you're getting judged too much on like when you're posting, unless it's like your current boss. I mean, yeah, do when when you're supposed to be working, just don't be working on social. But yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so in the soccer world, one of the questions that comes up a lot from a from a coaching standpoint is this idea of um, education versus experience, right? So there's as far as as far as I know, there's only one uh, like postgraduate uh, degree when it comes to actual soccer coaching. Um, there's a master in soccer coaching um, that gets offered every once in a while by the university of Ohio, I believe or Ohio university, one, one of the two, I think it's Ohio university. Um, but outside of that, it really does come down to experience. There are coaching licenses that, that apply. Uh, but just in general, can, can experience make up for education or can education make up for experience or is there, do you need a balance of both things? That's a good question. So yeah, I mean, in the soccer world, this is a case where I'd probably refer back to you to let me know. But in general, like there are certain regulated industries where you've got to have an educational credential of some kind. If you're, um, if you're, if you're applying to be a doctor, yeah. the idea of you just having a lot yeah, of experience yeah. as a fake doctor, probably, <laughs> probably yeah. not going to work. Uh, yeah. The healthcare, healthcare law, uh, those are like, you know, those are highly credentialed things, but in most cases, they will want to see like a lot of employers want to see that you are capable of earning a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. or an associate's degree. Like, you know, depends on, on the job, but you know, once you're like 10, 15 years into your career, that's like a footnote, right? It's like, okay, bachelor's check the box. Like no one's going to care what, what, what you were specializing in. Like they want to know what you've done with your actual career. So yeah, anyone a little more advanced in their career, I wouldn't worry too much about your your education. But if you're a new professional, then like, yeah, that's a big accomplishment. We all know like how hard it is to to get through a degree. So I mean, if that's something that you've done, if that's one of your biggest personal accomplishments, make sure it's you know front and center. And then what about covers? Because that's something that you cover a lot in your in your TikTok account. So hold on, before we before we get to that question, give everybody your your TikTok account because that you you are blowing up on TikTok. Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, it's at Greg Langstaff, G R E G L A N G S T A F F. That's where I do all my my best job search advice. Um, picked up a pretty solid following there. We're in the the low six figures, which is nice. 
Um, but your question about cover very letters. Humble. Very humble, low six figures. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. I'm not on TikTok. Don't know what, I don't know what it is, but, or I know what it is, but like low six figures is pretty, pretty good. I feel like. Yeah. Pursuing that check mark, that blue check mark. I'm not quite there yet. What, what is, isn't that, is that mean certified too? And uh, yeah. what do you have to get to get the, to get the blue check mark? Um, from what I understand, it's kind of a mix of your, your followers on TikTok and then sort of your, your web presence on other like platforms and uh, I like your features as well. So I've been featured in a couple of, of like decently significant publications, but like, I guess you, you send them a big link of like, look at all these people talking about me. Like if gotcha. you can get in Forbes, you're, you're good. There's your check mark. You know? What about getting in the soccer podcast? Does that help you? Yes. This, I mean, I'll put it, I'll put it on my list of, is this, is this going to get you the blue check mark? <laughs> it might get me a little closer. <laughs> okay, good. Perfect. That's all we want. Ultimately, we're just trying to, we, listen, we're soccer coaches. We are just trying to ride on the coattails of other people. Like if you get the blue check mark, it's like us getting the blue check mark too. Okay, let's do it then. We'll put that on our resume. We'll just put it in the in our podcast resume. We help Greg Langstaff get his blue check mark. Nice. Uh, um, so back to back to your back to uh, to your TikTok account. One of the things you you talk about on TikTok a lot is is cover letters. So how important are cover letters, um, and who is the audience to the cover letter? Who are you? Who are we writing the cover letter to? So this is a much debated topic in the job search world. Um, but to tell you the truth, my first advice I always give on cover letters is why would you want to be the person who didn't have one if the hiring manager was expecting one? Because it's not universal anymore. Not every hiring manager wants to see a cover letter. Okay. Um, when I, I've done a, I obviously done a ton of hiring and recruiting back at, at NOFA when we were there and then, you know, for most, most of my life since then too. Um, and what I would use the cover letter for is sort of like as like a second round evaluation. So like if you pass the the test, your resume is good enough and, you know, we'll come up with a list of like our top 15, 20 people. Like those are the people whose cover letters I'm going to actually look at and see, did they put in the effort of really talking about why they want this job? Why do they want this job? So, you know, it's not necessarily the most important part of the process, but I would never, if I was serious about getting a job, I would never not put in that extra effort to make a cover letter specific to that job. Okay. All right. And then, um, so when it comes to, when it comes to applying for jobs, um, is there such a thing as applying to too many jobs? Excellent question. Um, no, I mean, I applied to, when I got out of grad school, applied to 116 jobs before I got uh, one that I, I liked. But as you know, I was, I was trying to get that U.S. work visa. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work out, which is why I'm back in Canada. But um, here's, the, here's the only situation where you could probably apply to too many jobs um, within one company. They okay. don't want to see that you have applied to three, four, five unrelated jobs. Um, if they have two jobs that are like very similar, they're going to expect people to apply to both. But it looks kind of bad if you're applying all over the place, all these different jobs at one company. Um, kind of shows a lack of, of focus and interest. And they want to see that you're, you really want this job for a reason, right? Yeah. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So before you go, a couple more things. Uh, one, um, where can people find you on uh, on social media, on web, on the web, on where if people want to contact you because they need help because they're trying to get a job? Um, well, first first place to go is TikTok. Like that is my where yeah. all my best free advice is. So again, it's at Greg Langstaff. Um, and my website, greglangstaff.com. This has, you know, my actual services. So like, as I said, I do write resumes for people and cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. So, you know, I have options available for that. Um, yeah, those are probably the two best places. Like I try to get my Instagram, Instagram, uh, brand going, but with TikTok is so distracting because it's like, the success is so much easier to come by. So I just have been focusing there. Um, so yeah, let's keep it to TikTok and my Perfect. website. Perfect. Yeah. Make sure you guys reach out to, to Greg Langstaff. Uh, if you have any questions about your, your resume, if you listen, I, I've, I, I have known Greg for a long time and Greg is one of the coolest people to talk to. Uh, just really cool listener in general. I think, I think part of it is because he is Canadian. Um, I think that just already comes with a with an automatic like nice stamp. Oh, so we got a lot of people who aren't nice here. So that's <laughs> <you> that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think so. Last question. Um, so let's talk about sports for a second because we we are a sports podcast, and you are an avid sports fan, as I as as I am as well. Um, so. In com- so you lived in the U.S. and you lived in you lived in South Florida, which is a weird sports place to begin with. Um, kind of the idea of a, van- a bandwagon fan is 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 there. I mean, it's ultimately if if you're winning, everything's great. If you're losing, no one likes you. Um, but but how is the how is the sports world seen? And then from a soccer standpoint, is soccer growing a lot more in Canada now in comparison to before? Um, despite being like a hardcore basketball fan, I actually grew up playing soccer. Like that was my, my sport through youth and, and even early adulthood. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, our Canadian national men's team hasn't had much success. Like I've never seen them win anything really substantial. Uh, but our women's team is amazing. And so, you know, there, there is a lot of attention that, goes into Canadian women's soccer. Um, is it growing here, you know, overall? I'm not really sure. I, I can't say I'm super tuned into the, the Canadian soccer scene, aside from just trying to keep up on the, the Olympic soccer. Um, but yeah, I wish I could speak more to it. I, I love the game. Like we do, we do watch a lot of soccer here. My dad's from England, so we keep up on the Premier League and everything. Um, but yeah. I wish I could speak more to that, but fortunately, that's all I got for you. <laughs> well, I mean, considering you, so you live in Toronto, mm-hmm. right? And Toronto obviously has an MLS, an MLS team. You have the Raptors yeah. as well, uh, and you have the uh, the Leafs, right? Don't forget yes. about the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Don't forget Blue about Jays. the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Thanks, Dwayne. So, so, so of all the of all the of all the sports franchises that are there, uh, is who is hockey? Are hockey and basketball still the number one that you think, at least from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a hockey guy, but I'll begrudgingly admit this is a hockey town. Um, although I'll tell you this. The hockey fans are coming in from out of town, and the basketball fans are like the ones who are here in town. Interesting. Um, yeah. 
And I like I can see the the arena from my house. Like I'm pretty pretty central downtown right now. Um, and but don't get me wrong. Like there are droves of people heading out to the like the Toronto FC games. Like that it, there is a huge huge subculture around TFC. Um, and I, you know, I get out there and take in games when I can. It's like, it was one of the first sports to come back here too, which is, which is kind of nice. So I'm hoping to get out to a game before too long, but yeah, they have some super, super fans TFC. And that's the interesting thing about, I think the, the MLS in general, the way it's grown, um, the people that show up to the games, like I would say the majority are usually like pretty hardcore fans. And then you, obviously you have the fans that, that show up like, that will go every once in a while. Like I'll get to a couple games doing and I will get to a couple games of the union before we had, before we used to have season tickets. Um, but, but the, the, the fans that show up, I think are like hardcore fans where I think at times, like I've been to basketball games before and obviously, you know, being in, being in close to Philly, the, the 76ers have their hardcore like audience, but at the same time, it's one of those things that like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to a, I'm going to go to a Sixers game kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like, very relaxed and chill when it comes to soccer i think it's just like hardcore anywhere you go Uh, especially in the mls i think it's just like and toronto is an incredibly multicultural city and like a lot of people here are immigrants to canada and you know a lot of countries that these people are coming from are like super soccer countries so they're coming like tfc is sort of their fix uh it's the best it's the best we've got for them like if they're coming from a place where soccer is like the thing so i think that's where a lot of that energy comes from perfect love it well greg thank you so much for coming on the podcast today you are now in our little podcast world you are now our resident canadian uh anytime we have a question about canada we're going to come to you uh and now since considering you're our only international guest so far anytime we have a question about anything outside of the u.s we're going to come to you (laughs) so now you Excellent. are you're actually our world correspondent great great i'm, I'm so happy to be included uh, uh before you go one last time give everybody your uh your tiktok account tiktok is at greg langstaff g-r-e-g-l-a-n-g-s-t-a-f-f perfect greg langstaff.com uh make sure you check out greg greg thanks so much for for coming out today yeah thanks sebastian thanks Dwayne. this was a lot of fun all right, Dwayne, Olympics. All right, this is somewhat of a missed topic that we had from last week. We talked about the U.S. So since we talked last week, the U.S. went from um, losing a game against Sweden to then beating uh, New, New, Zealand. New Zealand and tying Australia. And, and spoiler alerts, if you didn't watch the game this morning, um, beating the Netherlands in PKs to advance to the semifinals of the Olympics. So they've pretty much gotten every result that you possibly could. They've won, they've lost, they've drew, they've gone to PKs. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you've, they've done absolutely everything. So they're a well-rounded. Uh, Definitely a lot of experience at this point. Experienced team. So I would be able to watch out for the U.S. They got a target on their chest. <laughs> um yeah i mean a listener uh coming up big today saving saving two pks against a tough netherlands team i mean also a netherlands team that had played i, I don't want to say weak competition but i i do think that they were they were very confident in their first games i mean they beat uh zambia 10 to 3 uh beat china 8 to 2 and tied brazil 3 3 to 3 
Well, uh, if you're scoring over five goals, you're you're kind of rolling. Yeah, yeah I mean they're average. Confident they're, haven't been tested yet. Now, granted, you won ten to three, so you kind of were tested because what were you doing to get three goals scored on you? Because it seems like you were in control. And we are going to talk about those three goals in a little bit, but because uh, those three those three goals are extremely important. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that was part of it. I think there was. I think the Netherlands had shown vulnerability. Um, and they're back in the back, um, uh, obviously with a massive scoring threat that is uh, Vivian Midemai, uh or yeah, yeah. Um, she she's an absolute monster. Like she is awesome. Um, uh, she scored nine goals in four games. Um, and and what's really cool about her is that her facial expression doesn't really change whether she scores a goal or doesn't score the goal. She's just on like Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah, she's on the Phil Foden. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. She's she's channeling her inner. Well, actually, Phil Foden is channeling her inner, uh, his inner Vivian Midemai, uh or Midemai. He scored nine goals in four games. <laughs> yeah. Um, then he's yeah. about to buy her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she right now she plays for Arsenal. So, um, so yeah, so the United States uh, will now face Canada. Uh, as Canada beat Brazil in PKs uh, on the semifinals. So that, that'll be Monday at 4 a.m. Uh, back to the 4 a.m. stuff, huh? Back to the 4 a.m. stuff. That one's going to be a tough one for me to get up for, considering I got camp that day. We got our goalkeeper finishing camp starting on Monday. So that one's going to be tough for me to get up for, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully they go into PKs, and then when I wake up to go to work, I can watch the PKs. There you go. Maybe they'll do that. Well, hopefully not. I mean, um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure our guests that we just had on Greg will, would be happy wouldn't if they, mind, yeah, right? wouldn't mind that. No, not at all. Um, uh, and then the other semifinals Monday at 7 a.m. That one I'll, I'll be up for for sure. Australia, Sweden. So Australia um, beating Great Britain uh, three to two in extra time this morning, and Sweden beating Japan three to one. Um, so a really cool. I guess it should be the other way around. What? Like Australia should be playing at 4 a.m. Because wouldn't that be like? more convenient for their people. Yeah, but the don't forget the the dates are already the times are preset. You can't be this isn't this isn't like the youth league. We can't just like call up the coach and be like, "Oh, do you agree to a time change?" Man, listen. Call up the IOC. You hey. can't call you can't call Thomas Bach, the the president of the IOC and uh and be like, "Listen, Tom, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Bach." Tommy boy, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't be like, no, that doesn't work that way. No way. Um, I'll have Chad call him. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, so that starts that the only thing that worries me about the U S um, which once again, happened again, I think there's been a total of nine goals that the U S have gotten called back because of offsides. Um, and, and the offsides that they're getting called back are not like, Oh, like, oh, it was unlucky, unlucky offside. No, you're running too early. And if, and it's, so if you had scored like three goals a game, let's just say in a game, you get 10 offsides and you score three of them, or sorry, you get seven off out of 10, out of 10 possibilities. You score three of them, 10 of them offsides. Fair enough. Like you're trying, you're trying something and you ultimately scored a goal or three goals, but it's not really happening. It's just every single time they're just, it's a tactical error that they're, they're committed technical error. They need to fix. Yeah, it's just tactic being tactically aware of when you need to run. Like, just don't like, don't run too early. Just be aware of where you're standing. So, I'm hoping the U.S. fixes that. Um, I, I, it's an ever changing because they play every two days, so it's an ever changing starting lineup. So, like Roosevelt didn't start today. So, it was, and and Lynn Williams got the start, and she hadn't played a minute 
or she played a very few minutes in uh in one of the games so she hadn't necessarily played a whole lot but she got the first goal so it's or the second goal so ultimately a big like back and forth on the uh on the starting lineup so it'll it'll definitely be interesting um on to the men's side though um holy moly uh am i not happy about this um so Argentina knocked out in the first round, uh, tying to Spain um, after their giant loss to Australia, which ultimately ended up coming in fourth in fourth place in the group. So it's just very disappointing for for Argentina. Um, I get that everyone had that that there was trouble like building the roster and all that stuff, but still not not very happy about that. Um, so Spain moves on to play. Uh, Hey, so why didn't Argentina bring him Messi? I mean, he's not under contract, so he technically could have played. Yeah, tired after the Copa America. He played every uh, sure, minute. Of the, sure, he sure. played every minute of the Copa America, and he's not Pedri. He's not 18 years old. I was just thinking about it, right? He he wasn't under contract, so no. I think that's a, it was. I think it was a missed opportunity to bring in some players. I think they tried to bring in certain players that were over 23 or 24, and the, and it didn't work out. And I, I don't think they expanded that that list right. um as they should have yeah so <clears throat> so quarterfinals start tomorrow uh spain plays ivory coast um then you got uh japan new zealand who, who japan has been the breakout team <clears throat> i think they've been building they've been working on this olympic team for the last four or five years they've been preparing for this um kubo is is, is lighting it up um so you know they take on new zealand who's been a very organized very good team as well um then you got brazil egypt which i think could be the you know they they played each other in the first game and they uh oh no they didn't sorry um uh egypt played spain um in the first game uh but brazil i think is going to be a a good a good match um i think egypt is very organized and tough to break down Ultimately, Brazilian or Brazil is able to score a lot of goals. The one that I think is going to be a very exciting match is going to be South Korea against Mexico. Uh, Mexico is rolling right now. They beat France like four nothing or four to one. Uh, they are they are just taking on teams. Mexico Mexico trying to win the gold cup and the Olympic gold. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now the only, I mean, Mexico ended up. Um, winning two out of their three games. So they, they beat France. Um, they ultimately, um, I'm trying to look it up as I'm doing this and I can't seem to find it. Uh, but they, um, they lost to Japan two to one. That's the only team they lost to. Cause again, Japan is, is a very good team. Um, so it's hard, it's hard to beat well-organized teams, you know, like that yeah. I mean, kind of sounds cliche, but. No, but it is, but well-organized teams that 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 can withstand the ninety minutes of being organized, or plus ninety minutes plus of being organized. Um. So, all right, Gold Cup. So our final say, talking about well-organized that kind of leads into the next. I mean, you you watched the majority of the game. I I kind of like tuned in right at the goal. So, what what did you think of the U.S. Qatar game? Well, I thought Qatar was really well organized. Uh, you know, for being a new nation new national team whatever you want to call it they haven't really been battle tested um you know they made the u.s fight every minute to you know to find that 
final or that only goal, right? Like they, they made the U.S. work. You know, Greg Burrowhalter made three subs at the 60th minute. So, you know, like that tells you how the game was going, right? If you're making three attacking subs an hour into the game, bringing on players, it tells you that you're looking to go to goal. You're looking to score goals. And I mean, part of it's squad rotation. Um, but I thought that, you know, the U.S., they withstood the battle. Matt Turner made some pretty big saves to keep the, them in the game. Did he save the PK or did the, the guy miss? I didn't see the PK. Oh, I didn't see it either. Okay. Uh, but he did make some big saves in the second half. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was a good match for both teams. Uh, unfortunately, you know, America, we win. Uh, sorry, Qatar. Long flight back. Um, and now taking on Mexico on Sunday. Taking on Mexico. Yeah. Now, Mex- uh, before we get started, Giassi Zardes, I know he scored the goal. He does not <laughs> need to come back into the national team. Um <laughs> think you know just want to throw that out there just want to throw that out there just want to throw that out as a disclaimer you know jack Keeney really put in all the work and i'm sure he can pass that ball to anybody else and they would score that as well so now has have has kellen acosta also become the new the new sebastian legit no i mean he's played in like three or four different positions already again but kellen acosta should have I mean, you've had, you've you've had him, you've had him since the beginning. You wanted him on the national team. I was high on him when he was in the national team two or three years ago. Like he had like a little hiatus. Yeah, I was high on him two or three years ago. Not really sure why they. I get it. We didn't make the World Cup. I don't know why he was one of the players that fell out. He's a solid guy. I think. I mean, like he can play as an outside back. I don't know if you've seen the training videos of him striking the ball. No, I haven't. Playing that three five two, and you put him as one of those outside, like wing backs. He can strike a ball. Yeah, scary strike a ball. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's good that like we again, it's good that we that there's there's uh that there's a lot of there's a lot of people there's a there's there's a there's depth to the roster. There's a player pool. There's there's, a player pool. Yeah, you got to compete. Like you look at Gianluca Busio. Yeah, like it's not like, hey, you played well in the Gold Cup. You're going to the World Cup qualifiers. You got to outshine Tyler Adams and yeah, Weston McKinney. You got to fight your way into that group. Yeah, Sebastian Legette will still be there driving the bus. Somehow the he will make the World Cup roster. I'm not sure <laughs> how, but <laughs> yeah, he'll be there. Um, all right, so something that that came up. Yesterday, I don't know if you got a chance to see this, but actually came out on Wednesday. Did you see what the new F, what the uh, the English FA has put out? Something about headers. Yes. So in tw- in this 2021-2022 season that starts in August, um, the the guide this new guidance is going to apply to the Premier League, the EFL, the Barclays Women's Super League, the FA Women's Championship, the National League system and the women's football pyramid tiers three and below all grassroots football and all across England national teams as well. So the new guidelines are, is that um, players are not allowed to practice more than 10 headers a week. A week. Um, I mean, higher force headers. That's what they're calling them. They're, they're calling them higher, higher force headers. Um <laughs> 
So, so they give me a ball that checks the force. Well, so they're they're talking about they're talking about a ball that's coming in from more than like 35 meters away. Uh so you're you're talking about a driven cross of some sort. Uh you like know that punts. Yeah, I mean you're talking about 35 yards, 30, you know, 35 to 40 yards or or further. Anything that's closer than that, they're okay with you heading. But anything that's coming in because you ultimately have to hit the ball a lot harder to be able to do that. I just what I understand it. Like I understand the idea of the concussion, and, and there's a lot of research that's been done with this. What I still like what I see as concussion issues is not the fact that you're heading the ball, is the contact with another player. So shouldn't they really be working on the idea of like how to properly head the ball? I, I think I think that's part of it is that technical aspect of how do I head a ball? How do I head a ball? I don't think we work on this like at all, but how do I head the ball with someone that's also trying to head the ball? I think that's where you see a lot of, like you just said, a lot of those injuries are instead of heading the ball, we head each other. Now yeah. both of our foreheads are cut open. Right. Right. So I, I think that. So I think people need to understand that also part of it. Like, so we have to understand what the meaning you have to almost read in between the lines. Right. So if we read in between the lines, it's not that you're not allowed to head the ball. They don't want you to head the ball. What they're trying to avoid is the collision, the moments of opportunity for you to collide with another player to ultimately head a ball. So it's not like, Oh, you're by yourself. You're not allowed to head the ball. Oh, I've already headed it 10 times. I can't hit it anymore. I think the idea is that like they're trying to avoid 10 different collisions in a training session. Um, just like the NFL, right? They don't, it's not like they suit up full pads and just smash each other every day. They're trying to take out some of the things that you can kind of get away. Right. So I I think, I think, but I, I do think that at the, from a foundation standpoint at the grassroots level, I think part of it is, is an educational, from an education standpoint of that technical component, like you said, is what, how are we teaching players how to head a ball? You know, like that, that becomes extremely important to do. So I think there's a lot that, that goes on with that, that doesn't get done a ton of. And I think there's no right answer to this, right? No, like, absolutely not. Me personally, I would probably do like a mixed martial arts activity yep. because then there's like, Hey, there's the padding on the floor. You can head, you can fall. Like you're not at risk to like break your arm as much. And you can have a little bit of fun with it outside of the soccer aspect right like me and you can battle on pat like on a padded surface and be able to work on heading the ball yeah i think the other part of it is is like at the at the professional level where you are allowed to have a, a medical staff on the bench with you it i think the clearance the, there needs to be a more standard clearing uh thing like i think that that that's the part that's because we saw it in the we saw it in the euros like the guy from France, like gets smacked in the teeth, and then they like throw some water in his face, and they're like, "Get out there!" And he's like, "Okay, all right, cool. Like, let me just stumble onto the field again." Um, and then I know they talked about they talked about this like the the substitution that you can sub a player until they're they're medically cleared, and then I put again all the research shows that the signs of a concussion can can um, be delayed by yeah. yeah by like twenty four to forty eight hours before they actually start showing up. Well, I think you gotta. The doctors are also wanting to see their team hoist the World Cup for the Euros. No, for so sure. I, think, I get that. I think that's part of it, too, right? Where, I mean, you're using France, but you look at, like, a North Macedonia, right? And if Pobard goes in. a goes lot in. of publicity. So oh, what, yeah, what's it? Yeah, yeah, they got yeah. The doctors over here like, here, let's go. We got to get 
yeah, yeah. Those knockout rounds. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I think that's what you're like. like yeah. If it's a doctor, it's got to be a. It can't be tied to anything. Like it's got to be an independent doctor. Right. Right. And maybe that's what maybe that's what needs to be brought in. Oh no, that's an expensive bill. That is, but that's what the FA is for, right? Like that's ultimately bringing somebody for the field. Yeah, I mean, hey. I think this. Like there was, said, like there was a said, work on that resume. There was a tournament that did something like that. I forget where it was, but there was a tournament that they were they had a they had like a an actual like team doc like a site doctor more than anything else. Uh, I forget exactly where it was, but um, all right. So we're gonna so we're moving on to the player of the match. Um, so I my player of the match, and this goes back to what we just talked when we when we talked about the Olympics. Uh, the Netherlands beating Zambia 10 to 3. So I want to talk about my player of the match goes out to Zambia and Barbara Banda. Um, so Barbara Banda is the captain of um of the Zambia women's national team for the Olympics. Um and she also uh is 21 years old um and plays for Zhangai Zhengli uh in in China. Um, and was an absolute rock star. This 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 Olympics, um, scored first woman in history to score two hat tricks at the Olympics. Uh, because the Netherlands players, well, Mitamai did it, but she did it after she did after Banda did it. Um, but what I thought was really cool is that so they were losing to the Netherlands. I think at that time it was you know, 9-1 or, or 8-1 to one or something like that. And she'd already scored the first goal. She scores the second goal. Um, and as she scores it, like, she gets hit or something like that. So she's, like, limping back to midfield. And now the, the score is 9-2. to And right off the kickoff, she presses one of the Netherlands center backs and scores her hat trick. Um, and you're just, like, at that point, like, the commitment level to just be really, really focused on just – I'm just here to do my job. I don't care that we're losing. I like I just want to like show that we can compete at this level. And we're not just going to roll over and just let it happen. Um so good good for Zambia and good for uh Banda because she she was awesome. So those that's my player of the match. Who's yours? My player of the match is my favorite player. Uh Danny Alves. Danny Alves. Three games away from getting his 44th soccer title. So that's domestic league, international, you know, Champions League, all that good stuff. So if Brazil gets a gold medal, I think it's safe to say he's won almost pretty much everything that you can win of any significance. Um, I mean, did he, he didn't win a World Cup. Mostly everything you could have won a significant. <laughs> I mean, that's just you know, just I mean, he he hasn't he did. He it. was the water boy in two thousand two. <laughs> he was a uh, we'll, sparring. We'll pencil a, him in. Yeah, he's a sparring on the sparring team. Um, all right, so oh, good. I mean, that's cool though. I I don't have a problem with Danny Alves. He's one of the Brazilians I, mean, I, I enjoy watching titles. And I mean, granted, he played for Barcelona, Juventus, and PhD. So those are kind of like shoe-in titles, but 44 titles is pretty impressive. 
I mean, he's also gone back to Brazil and has won titles at uh, at Sao Paulo, um, and he's back to playing in the middle of the field. He's not. He's not at Sao Paulo. He doesn't play as an outside back. He plays as a, he plays as a, as a like a ten, six or a ten somewhere in there. Hey man, that mobility, that mobility, man, you can't really get up and down the field like he used to out no. there. These young guys are fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Good, good for Danny Alves. Um, all right. Uh, on this day in history. Uh, so last week, um, we talked about. I think it was last week we talked about Jeff Hurst. Um, about the fact that he tried to exchange a jersey with an Argentinian player, and the coach said no, and all this other stuff. Well, we're back to the 19, 1966 World Cup. So July 30th was the final game of the 1966 World Cup. England beats West Germany two or four to two. Jeff Hurst scores a hat trick um, at Wembley, and uh, it, it came home. I guess I don't know. I mean, that's ultimately what they what they fell back on this year, right? It was coming home or it was going somewhere. Um, but they definitely went home. So 1966, uh, England wins its one and only World Cup. Uh, and Jeff Hurst scores a hat trick. National hero. National national hero, Jeff Hurst. I need to build a monument of the guy in front I'm, of probably. I'm sure there's one somewhere of him. There, ha- there has to be. Well, they um, need to have, you know how like they have the college football traditions and you got to like touch the statue. You gotta touch the Jeff. You gotta touch the Jeff or the Hurst. <laughs> gotta touch the Hurst. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's still alive though, so I wouldn't, you know, I he's still. I mean, he's got he's seventy nine years old, no, so he's still. I mean, he's still he's still there. He's not like he's so maybe maybe later yeah, on. Eighteen sixty six wasn't too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, but like, yeah, I mean, it's not nineteen thirty two. Right, right, right. Uh, so there is a World Cup statue, um, and World Her- and and Hearst is on it. Um, so it's it's uh, it's located um, by West Ham uh, in London. So it, they do. There is a there is a. That's the problem. It's a World Cup statue by West Ham and not at Wembley. Well, it's outside. It's it's uh, it's outside Curzon Ashton's FC ground. Um, so. So he was also inducted to the English Football Hall of Fame in 2004. And he's also a knight. He's also been knighted. Sir. Sir. Sir Jeff Hurst. That's right. Sir Hurst. Yeah, Sir Hurst. Um, All right. Fair play of the week. Uh, So last week we talked about uh, Boca Juniors getting slightly um, uh, taken advantage of to a certain extent by the VAR. so uh, this week, uh, because of them being stuck in Brazil for like 11 hours, they technically kind of sort of broke their bubble. So uh, Boca Juniors had to play both two league games um, with their reserves players, which out of their reserves, only two out of the 11 players that started in both games or one of the games in the second game, they had two other players that, that had already been on the first team but had never played on the first team before. Um, and they got a draw in the first game and then lost the second game. But um, these kids were absolutely very, like, unreal. They were just so good. They they played really well. They, 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 the pressure, they handled the pressure extremely well. They, they, 
they basically just went went for it. They're just like, we're just going to take our chance. We know this is like kind of like one of those one-time things for now until we can maybe at some point get in the first team or something like that. But uh big shout out to them because like, oh, not to mention they had their own game 24 hours before. They had their reserves match 24 hours before and then 24 hours later basically played uh, a league match. Um, so the nerves kicked in, the fatigue kicked in, started cramping in the like the last little bit, uh, but they did really well. So my, uh, it's tough. I mean, that's tough to do, right? Yeah. You step up, and you know you got to impress the first team coach too, because you know I don't know if he was in quarantine or not, but you know he was, like, he was, but he was watching. He just wasn't. But you know he's like, hey, I've yeah. seen you in training now. Well, so three I'm- three of those guys have been called into training like regularly now. See. One of them, one of them is this left-footed, left-footed outside back who just turned seventeen, who is legit, left legit, yeah, just really, really good. Barcelona coming calling. Hopefully not, not yet. Um, who's your favorite play of the week? I'm gonna give mine to uh, Simone Biles uh, for you know this isn't really soccer, but for taking a step away, um, using mental health as a platform, realizing there's a lot of there's a ton of pressure that the athletes are under, you know. You, add, you throw in the COVID thing, throw in it's across the world, no family. Um, so using mental health as a platform, step, stepping away and just, you know, again, the athletes are humans too. You know, they're on this pedestal. They, they're training hard. This is a once in a lifetime, a once every four year opportunity. So to put that as a platform and step away to regain her focus is pretty huge. Yeah, um, and it's something that we'll we'll talk about and we'll dive deeper in in the next coming weeks about this idea of pressure and and we'll talk more about that. But but yeah, absolutely, it's definitely something that is now being talked about a lot. Um, Nike put it out commercial within like forty eight hours, talking about like uh, women and pressure and and things like that. Um, so it, it's definitely a topic of conversation that I think needs to needs to be um, talked about more. Um, so the fact that Simone Boz is using her platform to to bring that up is good. Um, now I think it's just a matter of making sure that we put athletes in their position so that in the future, hopefully, it doesn't it doesn't happen in that moment. You know, yeah. It doesn't also, say speaking of talking about more. I am trying to figure out at what point is somebody going to take a stand against Mexico about delaying all these games with these chants. Like at some point they got to play behind closed doors. It happened again last night. It's happened in the Nations League finals, semifinals. Yeah. So I know it doesn't. It's not the players' fault, but they got to do something about. Well, and I think ultimately FIFA needs to step into it, right? Or the Concacaf needs to step into it. Like somebody needs to step in and put them behind closed doors and just let the Canadian fit. I, I don't know. Like. Or at a certain point, no, at a certain point, like at a certain point, we need to stop this. Uh, like it just, it needs to stop. It, like the, 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 we have to realize that it's not okay. Um, and we can no longer stand behind the idea that it's, n- that it's culturally different in, in a Latin American country or, or it's, or the language is different. In Latin- no, it's, it's the same. It, it's still like to me, racist comments are racist comments, regardless of, of where they are. Um, even if it's culturally different or you think about it differently, it's, it, you're, it's exactly the same. Um, 
it, it happened to I remember I remember you know the the it happened to Danny Alves in Barcelona uh with with players throwing throwing bananas at him um so and this was this was 10 years ago it wasn't like recent like it was 10 years ago and we're still kind of dealing with the same nonsense over and over again um like it, it just needs to stop because what's going to end up happening is um to a certain extent like the Simone Biles thing right what's going to end up happening at a certain level these players are just going to walk away. They're just going to like, just, just leave the field and, and walk out. I mean, it's happened in a few occasions. Um, but ultimately what's going to end up happening is these players are just going to leave. And then the fans are just going to be there by themselves. That's what you're going to ultimately do. Yeah. Or you're going to have that player. Um, that's just going to step away from the national team for good because, and that's really going to hurt your country bigger than what I would chance. love to see. What I would love to see is the 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 home players, right? So, for example, the, the players from the Mexican national team, I would love to see them take a stand of some sort. I think that would be that would send a bigger message instead of just saying, "Well, it's not us" or whatever. You know, if they if they actually took a stand and and showed some sort of solidarity or support, I think that would that would also go a long way. It's where you missed that Rafa Marquez. Yeah. You miss yeah. a player like him because I don't know that they have. I mean, Guillermo Ochoa might be that guy, but I don't know that they have a yeah. player that stature that could really command. Yeah, for sure. You're right. All right. Well, um, that is definitely a topic of conversation that we are we are going to dive into in the next coming weeks of the podcast. Uh, make sure see you- what happens on Sunday, right? And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, we'll see. So um, it'll definitely be a topic conversation next week. Um, so make sure you follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Once again, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>